Hello church. I'm Toby, I'm one of the pastors here. Um, and today we're thinking about listening. So listen up. Um, I'm, I'm not going to give like kind of practical ways to listen in a conversation, but once I'm done, Marion's going to get up and share some stuff about actually listening in conversation because she is an incredible listener, as anyone who's ever talked to her knows. Um, so just as a little reminder about this series, rhythms or, or missional rhythms, um, there are six rhythms that we think about as SOMA, um, and they are all things that we have in our day-to-day lives. But they're also all things that the world around us has on, in their day-to-day lives as well, like eat and celebrate and recreate. Um, all things that we have. Everybody eats, everybody celebrates, everybody listens. So what we want to do with this series is think, well, if we are missionaries, if we are people sent by Jesus, empowered by the Spirit, called to go and make disciples of all nations, how can we use things that are already in our lives and already in the lives around us to be missional? That's what we want to be thinking about. Um, Now, that might mean changing how we tell stories in little ways. It might mean changing how we eat. It might mean changing how we listen just in little ways to make it more engaging, Um, but it's so that we can point people to Jesus, point people to life, so that they can come to know the truth in him and know him. Does that all make sense? Cool. So, listening. Um, Can I pray? You guys pray with me. Uh, Father, thank you you so much for this morning, and and thank you that we can come and, and, and be together. And I pray that, Father, as we... Um, yeah, open up your word now. I pray that you'd help us to listen to you. Help us to hear what you are saying to us uh, individually and collectively. And Lord, I pray that you will um, help us leave more equipped to uh, do your good work in this world. In Jesus' name. Amen. So listening. When I was, uh, when I was in primary school, uh, we had World Book Day. Do you guys have World Book Day where kids dress up and go into school? Yeah. Oh, a oh, whole week of it. Oh, book week. Um, our one was just a day. Um, but I didn't read much, so I didn't know the cool characters in books. So I convinced my mum to let me go as Neo from The Matrix. <laughs> so I got like a leather jacket, belt around my shoulder, sunglasses, and I went into school, super cool, and everyone lined up and said who they were, and they got name tags. There's Harry Potter, there's Rainbow Fish, Captain Underpants, lame. I was Neo from The Matrix. So I said proudly, I'm Neo. She gave me a name tag. Then halfway through, at, well, at lunchtime, more than halfway through the day, I was lining up in the lunch line, and someone said, who are you? Who are you dressed as? And I was like, I'm Neo, pointed at my name tag. I looked down, and my teacher hadn't listened to me. She put Neil. <laughs> so, so suddenly I went from this cool Neo from the Matrix to Neil, a random guy who wears a leather jacket and a belt in the wrong place. So I was mortified. I was so embarrassed. I was full of shame. I ran from the lunch line into a classroom. I was so embarrassed. Um, and I was so upset as well that I wasn't, I wasn't, I mean, it was probably an honest mistake, but in my mind, I wasn't heard. I wasn't listened to. Listening's important. It's important. And we always listen. We're always listening to something. Some of you are listening to me. Some of you are listening to your kids. Some of you are listening to your thoughts or, about, or, or to the birds. 
We're always listening to something. And, uh, and it's important. It's important for lots of reasons. C.S. Lewis says, like, when you experience joy and, and delight, it, it's actually complete when you tell someone and they listen. Like, that, that completes your joy and your delight. Um, but also, we learn through listening. We learn about God. We learn about the world. We learn about history and maths. We learn about all kinds of things. We also learn about people's lives. We learn about cultures and, and people and people groups. And listening to them helps us to see how people see the world. Listening helps us learn those things. Now, we want to be thinking about, well, what does that mean for us in the Blue Mountains, in our context? This is, the Blue Mountains are the people that we are reaching out to, the, the place that God has put us. Um, but I don't think the concept of listening is much different in the mountains. I think we are surrounded by people who love to be heard. Uh, everybody loves to be heard. People love being listened to. There's so much to learn about people. Um, I think you see that through the, the, there's a big community aspect in the Blue Mountains. A lot of people wanting people, people wanting to be heard, people wanting conversations. There's also a really big art scene. So people communicating their feelings and their emotions and their passions through art, through music or sculptures or paintings. Um, and there's, all, there's so many stories in the mountains, so many stories, stories of joy, stories of people's lives, stories of people loving things more than they love God. And we can only learn what these things are through listening. So we, Soma Blue Mountains, are in a place contextually that loves to be heard. Connections happen, friendships form all through listening. And we're always listening to something. So what we want to think about is if, we, if this is a rhythm that we have in our lives constantly and it's a rhythm that the rest of the Blue Mountains, the rest of the people that we're on mission to want to be heard, they have in their lives, well, how can we use this to share the good news of Jesus? If we're listening constantly, if our culture wants to be listened to, how can we use the rhythm of listening in a missional way? That's the question we're answering. And Acts 17, although it was in first century Athens, speaks into this. Paul, it, this, it's this incredible little narrative of Paul in Athens preaching the gospel. And Paul listens incredibly well to the culture. Incredibly well. And he uses listening in a missional way. And we're going to pick out a few ways that he does that. So, into Acts 17. Paul was on his second missionary journey. He was just in Berea, which is like three-day north, a three-day walk north of Athens. Um, and he was preaching the gospel there. And people started getting angry at him. So Silas and Timothy, the other disciples who were with Paul, said, Hey, Paul, just go to the coast. Just get out of here. Don't get hurt. Just go to the coast. We'll finish off the ministry here in Berea. So Paul gets to go on a little holiday. Well, it seems... And he stops, in, uh, he stops in Athens. And what a place. Has anyone been to Athens? Yes. 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 Cool. I haven't. But um, has anyone been to first century Athens? <laughs> um, Athens was, back then, it was the, the intellectual and cultural capital of the world. It wasn't the capital. Like, Rome was still, like, the capital. But, but Athens was the intellectual capital. The, the best artists, the best thinkers, the best poets... A lot of like, beautiful architecture, a lot of philosophy going on. Um, and it seems like Paul had never been there. 
So he gets to go to this beautiful place while Silas and Timothy carry on with the missionary trip. And uh, I, I mean, I'd see it as a holiday, but, but verse 16, Paul gets there, says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed. Now already, it doesn't really seem like a holiday. He was greatly distressed. Now, this is, this is a key for the rest of the text. This, is, this, this sets up why Paul then does what he does in Athens. He was greatly distressed. Why was he greatly distressed? It says he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. To see that the people in Athens were worshipping something other than God. He's distressed to see that. And this word, this, the Greek word for greatly distressed, it's only used one other place in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, in the Greek Old Testament, it's used a lot. And it's used to describe how God is, is distressed, how God is hurt, how God is uh, angry that his people are worshipping something other than himself. Now the reason God would be like that in the Old Testament was because of his love for his people. The reason God was distressed was because of his love for his people. They, they, God created them to be in relationship with himself, but they rebelled against it. And so God tirelessly sought to restore that relationship. But they kept turning away over and over again, worshipping different things. And so he was distressed. They're not living the way they're created. They're looking for other, at other things for love and, and for, for security. And that's like the whole reason he sent Jesus to redeem people from their idols, to bring them back to himself, to restore creation back to how it was to be. That's why God was distressed at idolatry and people worshipping something other than himself. And Paul knew this. So Paul goes into Athens and he sees that other people are worshipping other things and he's distressed by it because he wants them to know Jesus. He wants them to know God. He loves them and, and that's where this distress is coming from. He's distressed because he loves them, wants them to, to, to live how they're created to live. And so, verse 17, it says, So, therefore, because he's distressed at seeing people worship idols, he went and reasoned with the people. He went and conversed with the people. He went to the synagogues, he went to the marketplace, the marketplace where like, everyone was all of the time. It's like social media without the media, just social. And that's where everyone was all of the time. And so he went and he conversed with them and he, he listened and he talked. But there must have been a lot of listening, observing, paying attention to what he was seeing and hearing. And he talks and he listens to different points of view. He shares different points of view. And then these Athenian people, verse 18 and 19, they invite him to come and talk to crowds of people about Jesus and the resurrection. And he goes and he, he preaches, and we'll get on to the sermon in a minute. But in his sermon, this is in verse 28, he quotes two of their own poets, Epimenides and Aratus. Now, how did he do that? How did he quote two of their own poets? He listened. He listened intently enough not only to know what they're about, but to memorize lines of the poem and quote it offhand. He wasn't just focused on talking and sharing his view, he listened intently. 
so, so Paul, he doesn't just notice that these people are philosophers. Back to verse 18. He doesn't just notice that these people are philosophers. He listens and learns what kinds of philosophers they are. It says that they're Epicureans and Stoics. And he knows what that means. He learns what that means and how they see the world. And he doesn't just listen to poetry that he enjoys, but he listens to the poetry of the time, the poetry that they engage with, to, to know them and, and get to know them more. And in verse 23, I love verse 23. As he stands up to preach, he says, For as I walked around, and I looked carefully at your objects of worship. He looks carefully. He doesn't just assume what they worship. He walks around, he observes carefully, he looks and listens and tries hard to understand the context that he was in. And again, this is all coming from a place of love. Because he's distressed that they don't know God. That they haven't received life. But he also listens to one other thing. Anyone can listen to the culture. Like for Paul to go into Athens and listen to Athens makes him no different to any other Athenian. And same for us in the mountains. For us to listen to the mountains makes us no different to anyone else. The thing that made him different, the reason they got Paul to stand up and and share about Jesus and the resurrection was because he listened to God. He, He knew the story of God inside out. Now, he was a Jew, so he grew up, like, memorizing the Old Testament. But he also knew how it was fulfilled in Jesus. He listened and he learned that. He spent the time knowing that so well that he could then shape it in a faithful way to speak into the Athenian culture. What he learned about, the, about Athens, he was then able to speak the story of God into that. And he starts the sermon in verse 23 saying, you're ignorant of what you worship. Now, remember where this is, Athens intellectual capital of the world. These bi- Actually, Paul was on, on the Areopagus, right behind him was the Acropolis, right, where, where, where the goddess um, Athena was. She's the goddess of wisdom. So Paul is standing there in front of the goddess of wisdom to the intellectual capital of the world saying, you're ignorant of what you worship. Now this could do two things. It could even make him go, walls up, or it could go, Oh, there's more. There's more for us to know. There's more for us to learn. So, he has this, he's captured their attention. And then, and then he explains through the sermon that God created the world. God, Yahweh, created the world, and so everybody in the world is his creation. And this God doesn't need people to serve him, but he wants people to know him. Now, not only does this speak into the gods that the Athenian people are worshipping, but it also corrects the, the philosophy of the Epicureans and the Stoics. So he knows how they see the world, and he speaks into that. He gently corrects them. It, essentially, he's saying, look, here's a god that you can know. Here's a god who created all of this, and he doesn't dwell in man-made images. He's too divine for that. But also, he's not far off. He's come close. But he commands repentance and he will come and judge and the time of ignorance is over. That's his sermon in a nutshell. And their reaction in verse 32, some sneered, others said, oh, we want to hear him again on that subject. But others came to faith 
And one of the ones that came to faith was Dionysius, who was a member of the Areopagus, um, which, which means he would have been a philosopher or a deep thinker of some kind. And he came to faith. So, although the word listen doesn't actually come into this passage, <laughs> it's clear that listening was vital. But in order for, for Paul to actually listen well, there was love from the start. He had a love for the people, a real deep love for the people. He cared about them. He wanted them to know God. And, and so because he listened to God and, 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 and God's word and prayed, and he was then able to be missional in a way that clicked for them, in a way that created intrigue for them. Now, how does that work for us in the Blue Mountains? Many, many years later. Well, back to the question. If, we, if we're listening constantly and our culture wants to be heard, how can we use the rhythm of listening in a missional way? Three thoughts. Listen to our God. Have a love for the people. And listen for the heart. Listen to our God. Have a love for the people. And listen for the heart. Listen to our God, like Paul, we want to listen to God. Like, Paul wasn't there when Jesus came to the disciples and explained how everything was fulfilled in him. <laughs> he went and learnt that. He went to the disciples and he, and he learnt, he, he spent the time listening and learning how that was, how it would all come to pass. And then on his missionary journeys, even where to go and what to do. Something you notice as you read through the letters of Paul is that he prays so much. <laughs> he spends time listening. Now we've got to listen to God. We've got to get to know him, pray to him. The, the primary way we listen to God, of course, is through scripture. Um, and that's amazing. It's amazing that God's given us that. But the wonderful thing is, the incredible thing is, like Paul said in his sermon, is that God has come close. He's come close. We can know him. We can know his heart. He's not some far-off, disconnected idea. He's, he's a God that's come close, a personal being wanting relationship. So we can know him. We can know his heart, know what he's revealed to us about himself. Now, gospel communities, um, we've, we've recently kind of released, well, someone else released, and we're using a story of God, which is amazing. We, we did it all through Soma School in four hours. But it, it's it's really good. So that's one way that you can listen to God. Learn his story. Learn the whole story of God. The second thing is to have a love for the people. So like God and, and like Paul here, it's a good thing to be distressed by idols. It is a good thing to be broken hearted that people are not worshipping God. This looks very different to what it did then. People generally don't worship things made of silver and gold anymore, um, unless it's jewellery or something. But people do have other things that take place of God in their lives. Things that they worship, things that matter most to them, even without knowing it. This should break our hearts because this is not how we're created. We're created to be in relationship with God. And that's broken because of sin and rebellion. But that 
is why Jesus came, to do away with the sin and rebellion. So now we can draw close. Now we can have relationship with God. Now we can worship him and draw near to him. It's incredible. And it's so, isn't it just so sad to see that people don't get that? That there's a God who's saying, I'm, I'm restoring all things, bringing things back to the order of how they're supposed to be. And I want you, and I love you, and I've sent Jesus for you to bring you back. But they don't get it. And they worship other things. Now that is sad. That should break our hearts. Knowing this and believing this really should break our hearts that, that the people we love don't get this. So a question, do you love your people enough to be broken hearted that they don't worship God? Do you love your people enough to be broken hearted that they don't worship God? The third thing is to listen for the heart. So like Paul, we, we want to get to know the people. We want to listen to people. Through listening and asking questions, we want to listen to people. And through that, we can, we can identify idols. We can, we can hear who they are, hear how they see the world. Like Paul finding out that they're Epicureans and Stoic philosophers and what that meant and how they saw the world. Now for us, that might mean listening to the poetry and the music and reading books and watching TV shows that the people that we're reaching out to are doing so that we can understand them. But it's listening to know. It's listening to get to know them. And, and I want to be careful here because it's, this doesn't mean that people are projects. This is why I put this as the third point because it comes after knowing God and his heart for humanity and it comes after loving the people and wanting them to, to come to God and find life. We listen for their idols so we can, we can point them to the only one who can truly satisfy them. So uh, another question, do you know your people well enough? Have you listened to them to know how they see the world, what they worship, to know their longings and desires? If we're listening constantly, and if our culture wants to be listened to, how can we use the rhythm of listening in a missional way? Listen to our God, have love for the people, and listen for the heart. And then we can speak the gospel more directly to the place where it, where it matters, to the place where it hits. Bringing it back to, to me dressed as Neo or Neil, um, I, I ran to the classroom full of shame, embarrassed, like kind of heartbroken. If there was someone there who had listened and who had really seen me and understood me, spent time getting to know me, and also if they'd known the story of God, they would have been able to point little broken-hearted, embarrassed me to a God who thinks I matter, to a God who, who created me in love and thinks I'm cool, to a God who wants to spend time with me. That would have hit. <laughs> that's what I needed. Uh, I need that now as well. And, and that's what eventually happened. God, God was listening all along. He knew what I needed. And he used one of his people to listen to me and show me that God loves me. People are missing God and they don't even know it. Listen and point them to him where they need it most.
And I'm going to invite Marion up to kind of share some practical ways to do that in a conversation. Toby asked me to share a few practical things that I've picked up about listening over the years. The chances are there's nothing new here for you, but perhaps it might help to think about how listening relates to you and your GC or DNA. We often talk about sharing, talking about things, but of course the other half is listening. And when I was reflecting on this topic, it just jumped out at me that many aspects of leading, actually, sorry, listening, actually give opportunities to relate with the fruits of the Spirit. And listening can therefore be part of our discipleship and um, discipleship of, of ourselves as well as others. Asking questions. Asking questions helps us to listen and become more interested. We ask questions because we're interested and that's the fruit of love. I think it can be easy to ask questions that I want to answer, like I might be looking for any opportunity to jump in to say my own story. One discipline I've given myself is that I try to notice if I've interrupted for a second time sharing my experience and that that can give me an opportunity just to take stock and focus on the listener again. It might take the fruit of self-control to monitor ourselves, to focus on the other and to ask another question. When we ask questions that are meaningful, that might lead to the person sharing more deeply. And if we show that we're interested, that's just what might happen. This becomes a potential moment for real spiritual encouragement and can lead to prayer at a deeper level. And that's the sort of thing we exactly want in our church. Safe places where people care and where we can share um, vulnerably. That's one of the ways we grow in the fruit of love, joy and peace. Thinking about the issue back the other way, I really appreciate it when people take time, make effort to listen. I find it difficult getting my words out clearly and quickly. So for me, it's a welcome relief when someone who's good at communication, with speaking particularly, allows space for me to find the words and to finish what I want to say. That might take an extra dose of patience to bear with someone who's not fluent. But hey, that's a sign that the spirit is working in us, right? I don't know about this, I don't know if you think about this, but I really appreciate it when people remember what has been in a conversation. If you're a listener and you make a mental note or a written note to intentionally follow up and then follow up, well, there's love, kindness and faithfulness right there. And last of all, there's reward in us listening, isn't there? God has given us so much to delight in and it's a real privilege to share in the stories of our friends and people we meet. We get to share in their joys, laughter, needs, burdens, and look how beautifully Jesus listens to our joys, laughter, needs and burdens. I guess I just want to listen better and be more like Jesus. Thanks, Marion. That's so good. Um, let's pray. Father, thank you 
Thank you that you care for us so deeply. Lord, thank you that, that you have you've redeemed us. You've saved us. You've brought us into a, uh, back into relationship with you. Thank you that we get to know you. Thank you that we get to learn from you. Thank you that we get to listen to you. That we get to um, just know what your heart's like. And know how much you care for people. And know how much you care for the world. And, and we see that so clearly through Jesus. And what Jesus went through so that we can come and know you. Father, I pray that you will give us a love for the people that you've put in our lives. I pray that you will help us to see um, the way that they see the world. See their longings and their desires and, and see how you can fulfill them. I pray that you, you just give us a deep love to want to listen to them. A deep love to, to want to spend time with them and, and get to know them. And let that come from a place of, of how much you love. How deeply you love. You love first. And I also pray, Father, that you will um, you then help us listen to the heart. Just help us to ask good questions. Help us to yeah, be, be um, faithful to you and that by your spirit you'd help us to, to use that fruit that your spirit produces to, to listen well and, and, and hear to listen to stories, to ask questions, to go deeper so that we can point them to you who can bring life, who can bring redemption, who can bring eternal life, who can bring uh, pleasures forevermore. And I pray that, um, that you will do that, that we will see people come to know you and love you and serve you. I pray that you do that by your spirit um, in us and through us, empowering us to be your missionaries. In Jesus' name, amen.